Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Bowie, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering. What a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Welcome to the Maximum Mom Podcast. And I cannot tell you how excited I am to have Pamela Grady with me. It is like so thrilling to me to have another Louisianian here on this podcast. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Pamela. She serves the people and businesses of Madison Parish, Louisiana and Warren County, Mississippi. Pamela co-founded Cruising Grady PLLC in 2013 with a desire to empower her clients and her community. Pamela utilizes her love of communication, technology, research, and planning to create successful outcomes for her clients and economic prosperity for her community. Pamela has a heart for public service and economic development and uses her relationships with her colleagues on the bench and in the bar in service of those causes. Committed to access to justice and educating her clients, Pamela is constantly searching for ways to utilize technology to reach those in need. And I cannot tell you, Pamela, how thrilled and honored I am to have you today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Elise. This is a this is a very, very, very special morning for me getting to come visit with you. So oh, I'm excited it, to be here. It is so for me. I mean, you just I I watch you on social media. Your life just makes me smile every time I see y'all, you know, at a marina or off on a boat, see your kid like <laughs> hanging on the side of the thing, doing fishing or something. I'm like, I love them. And so it just <laughs> Makes me really, really happy. Well, first, we should talk about that. Let's talk about your family. I always like to get that out there. Tell me who makes up your family. So my family is a unit of four. My husband is James Grady, but like all good Louisianians, he has a nickname. He goes by Bud. And then my son is Wyatt. He's eight years old and basically a carbon copy of his father, red hair, walks like his dad, very into the same things. And then my daughter is my mini-me. Her name is Genevieve, and she'll be seven years old on January the 7th. So they, they were very close together, those two. And then fur babies, uh, I should include them. They'd be offended if I didn't. We've got one horse, two ponies, five cats, two dogs, and no chickens right now, but we're planning on getting those in the spring. <laughs> oh, my we're feral. We're feral, Elise. We're wild. I, I love that. It makes me so happy. I feel feral and I live in the reserve Pacific Northwest. So I can tell you, I stick out big time in my feral self. So, and I know you don't there, which is lovely. Okay. Does Wyatt have a nickname yet? Or are we waiting for that to come out in college or something? Well, now we live in my husband's hometown of Tallulah, Louisiana, which is just 40 miles away from where I grew up in St. Joseph, Louisiana on a lake, which is where you always see us, you know, boating and jet skiing and fishing and doing. So all of his contemporaries here already, they call him Little Bud. So he's already kind of kind of picked up on that a little bit. So I'm not sure if that's going to stick or if he's going to oh. do something to really, really just alter alter the, uh, the, the name there. But right now, there are a few who do call him that. I suspect Little Bud's going to stick. I'm going to have to check with you. I think you. so too. I do too. <laughs> I kind of love it though. 
That's awesome. It's so true, though, how everybody, I mean, there isn't a guy in Louisiana that doesn't have a nickname. And they're That's never so true. the same. It's not like you can pick it up. I mean, you can have somebody whose name is like, you know, Jacques, and their nickname is, you know, Bubba. Like you wouldn't right. be looking for a B. <laughs> I mean, there are grown men from my hometown who my whole life I, I you know, knew and then come to me to do legal work, like to do their last will and testament or to have a loan closing. And then I'm like, is his name Bubba? Is his name Bubba? You know, I mean, I, we have a, a family friend who was a federal judge in Texas for years, and I've only ever known him as Cooter. You know, that's been his name his whole life. And so then, then you know, you see his name on the bench. You know, he actually recently retired. His his, his name was Harlan Hale. Harlan. Okay, that's it. Can you get more, dig, you know, dignified and esteemed than Harlan Hale, right? But for my whole life, he was Mr. Cooter, you know? So it's just the world we live in in Louisiana, right? You don't, you don't get past those nicknames. <laughs> you do not, nor do you get past the, you know, Miss Elise or Miss Pamela or whatever right. like how, and my poor children came up here to Seattle and they start calling people like Miss Jill or Miss whatever and I mean parents are like correcting them they're like that's oh, not well wow. and my kids were like what do you mean that's not polite like I've been calling people <laughs> my whole life and yeah, you know but, then, but my mama said <laughs> but my mama said I better say <laughs> That's oh so my funny. gosh. One of my sons, I'll never forget this. Literally like first week of school in Seattle, silly old boy, freshman in high school is holding the door for the girls. Like he's oh, got yeah. people holding the door. If he didn't hold the door, trust me, he would have heard about that from me. Unbelievable right. fury, fury from the girls, fury. How dare he hold the door? That is rude. It is all the bad things. He wow. came home and he was like, mom, we got different manners here in this town, completely different <laughs> manners. And we're going to have to, we're going to have to shift. <laughs> we're going to have to pivot here. <laughs> I was just like, are you serious? I was so surprised. Then, I mean, within a month, maybe I get a call from a teacher who tells me that he says, yes, ma'am in class. And she is taking utter offense to him saying, yes, ma'am. Wow. Wow. And I, was, I mean, I grew up in the South my whole life. Like this was foreign to me that these like typical, you know, niceties that we, I mean, right. I'm sure you a hundred percent have in all oh, your yes. interaction. And oh, it, yes, my child was going to get a detention if he said yes, ma'am again. And I, I was like, I can't imagine the shift there, you know, like to, because it's so ingrained in our culture, completely. you know, um, I mean, even I can remember as growing up that my father never, you know, addressed any of my friends with their first name. It was, you know, Miss Rebecca, Miss Kate, Miss Elizabeth, Miss Abby, you know, like, I mean, it just like that was that was their name. And, you know, it was as much a respect thing as it was a teaching tool. And so, you know, he was teaching my brother how to speak to them. So, you know, when you start at birth with these mannerisms, I can imagine, you know, trying, trying to learn something new, going somewhere else. It'd be tough. Yeah, it, it was definitely some eye opening. Well, and I just I didn't realize how different it would be. You know, I had no idea because I mean, like when I go to your Starbucks or whatever, I'm saying yes, ma'am, to the lady who's helping me with my order. I'm like, thank you, ma'am, you know, whatever. And they're like, you can't say that. And I'm like, oh, OK, 
I'm going to work on that. And I mean, it's been a real shift trying to knock it out. And then y'all, I mean, I dropped some y'all bombs in court. Not good. You know, the court. Oh, and I do that all the time. I do that all the time. I mean, I've had the court be like, Miss Bowie, we don't drop the y'all. And I was like, (laughs) oh, I do it again. You know, (laughs) sorry, sorry. It's a, it's a, it's a spasm. I can't help it. It's so when I was in law school. I was on the moot court team and we went to pace to argue or a little brief on several environmental issues. It was a really, really cool experience. So we're up there for this moot court competition and my team gets up to argue and I'm the first one, you know, to step into that setting. And, you know, I say, may it please the court and the panel laughed. They laughed. I mean, like literally audible laugh. And so rather than, you know, do it. I mean, you know, at that point, so I get, I get angry. I'm like, look, I came here from, you know, Louisiana via Mississippi. I am here to talk to you guys. So I'll wait. I wait till the last chuckles out. And I'm like, may it please the court again. And they're like, oh, wait, snap. This isn't a bit. Okay. <laughs> this is how she sounds. We better back up a little bit. I love so, that. But we ended up, we ended up winning the round. I don't know if it's because they felt terrible for laughing at me or we did a good job, but you know, that was my first moment of going, wow. Okay. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I need to be be thinking about this jurisdictionally whenever I get the chance to, you know, pro-hack Vici argue anywhere else in the country, I need to be thinking about what I sound like there because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about us, right? As, you know, advocates, we've got to be the best we can be for our client. And like you said, if it means dropping a y'all, even though we've learned it our whole life, well, you know, we've got to do what we've got to do. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I just, I think it's fascinating. I think culturally it has been such a fascinating thing, you know, for our family to move and just to try to really eradicate some of the things. And, you know, it's a longer conversation. We'll have to have it one day over beer on the boat, you know, looking. That sounds great. Yeah, exactly. 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 Oh my gosh. Well, tell me, I mean, one thing that I just really notice about you and just how you are, I mean, you, you're really real. I mean, which to me is that very typical Louisiana, super authentic, like we just are who we are. We say what we mean. We mean what we say. Tell me how that has played into what you're doing both professionally and as a mom, like how do you bridge this and bring your authenticity to both? You know, it's not always pretty, right? Anytime, anytime, anytime you're a mom, and your attorney, and you have your own business. I don't think any one of those things can be gorgeous, you know, at one time and the other also be pretty, right? It's not going to look like Instagram. It's kind of like I said earlier, I've always been feral, you know, if you will. And I've, I've just kind of embraced that. I mean, at, at this point, I think it's, it's unrealistic for me to put into the world that I've got it all figured out or all together. I mean, the road to success for me is paved with baskets and baskets of unfolded laundry. That is no exaggeration. That is always going to be the case in my house. And I'm okay with that. I wasn't at one point in time, but now I'm okay with that. And I think, honestly, having a daughter might have been the impetus for me to really just give up some of the things that I thought were necessary or important. I don't want her to think that she's got to do everything or do everything well or perfectly 
or to make sure that the image that she puts into the world is a perfect one. I think the better lesson for me to teach her is grace for herself and for others, you know, to meet people where they are. And the way that I I do that for myself is, you know, anytime I feel like I've got that pressure to, you know, perform on a level that maybe I thought I should have or think I need to. And sometimes I refer to it as drinking the Kool-Aid. You know, whenever I went to an amazing law school, we had the greatest, you know, professors and, and leaders there. It was very small by comparison to others. And I loved that. But, you know, when you when you're in that environment, oftentimes you can feel like you're being you're trying to fit this model that you perceive that is going to be kind of a big firm environment. You know, you, you're, you've got your suit on, you know, you, you, you're conducting yourself a certain way. You're very conscious about the images that you're putting out to the world, you know, your, your appearance, the way you speak, what you do, what your extracurriculars are. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. It didn't feel authentic to me. I felt censored. And I think that's probably ultimately why I found my way into having my own firm, because the truth of the matter is I don't have shoes on right now. Don't have them on. I don't Don't have to wear them. (laughs) I mean, I don't have to wear My feet are in my foot massager right now. Right? Oprah Oprah recommended a few years ago on one of her great gifts for the holidays. And I was like, a foot massager is definitely what I need at my desk. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and I just, if you take yourself too seriously, I think, I think you're missing opportunities to really hear people when they tell you they need you. You know, when my clients come in here, they need something. It's, you know, they may ask me for a last will and testament. It it might be because they have cancer. They may not tell me that. But if I'm worried about what I look like and how I'm showing up and, you know, whether or not I'm exuding this image as a certain kind of attorney or like I've made it, you know, I'm not doing what I need for them. I'm not I'm not. I'm not hearing what they need. You know, the same thing for my, you know, real estate closing is like when these people come in here, they are so tickled. They are starting something new. I mean, they're they're, somebody's selling something and somebody's buying something and the banker always goes home happy. And those are my favorite transactions because it's, you know, it's a new beginning. And so if I'm worried about, you know, our image in that experience instead of their experience, I'm not delivering a good service to my clients. I love that. I just, I love the, I mean, deep, deep hospitality that comes out of you and so many people from that area. It is this, it's what makes us breathe. And it's the, the thing we are is this hospitable, authentic human to human thing. And people have such a hard time understanding it. I feel like people who aren't from that environment really don't it's such a hard thing to describe. And I feel it in you just in everything I see and everything I know about you. And then to listen to you talk about how your image would get in the way of your client's experience. I mean, that is like wildly hospitable, you know, to where you're (laughs) thinking about their experience constantly in what you're doing And I think that gets lost in so many places of where people are just so wrapped up in image and what it looks like and what it should look like. And I, like you, I'm like, I don't really care what it should look like. I mean, it's gotta be authentic to me or it doesn't make any sense. It's never gonna come out right, you know, because I can't be somebody else. 
it's made it easier too to whenever you're being authentic like that. I don't have to pretend like I'm not a mother. Right. I, you know, I don't have to pretend like I'm not also an attorney. Uh, you know, and, and when I'm at you know at a school function and I'm trying to do something for the parent teacher organization, there there are going to be times where I say I can't do this. I have court or I, I'm behind on something at work that needs my attention. I'm going to have to get somebody else to come in. You know, if I haven't been realistic about that from the beginning with people, well, I expectations are going to be greater than what I can fulfill. And I've learned in practice, probably the the best thing that I've learned in practice is that you've got to be upfront with people about what you can deliver and when you can deliver it. And it's okay to say, I don't know. I'm not sure when I can get that to you. And if if you need it quicker than what I can promise you, you're feel free to go to somebody else. I've actually never said that to a client who said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I am going to go see somebody else. They may say, well, here's what I was thinking. This is when I really need it by. Um, I'm sorry. I've put you in a time crunch. Do you feel like you can get it done by then? And, you know, sometimes I say yes. And sometimes say, I'll, I'll do my best. I've got these things ahead of you, you know, or yeah. my favorite thing to say, okay. And this is, this is the deal. If you want to jump the line, you got to double the rate. Right. <laughs> I mean, if I'm going to if I'm going to work after hours and on the weekend to meet your timeline, then you you better you better recognize that you're taking some of my private time away from me. And and I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to move my schedule around, but I might I might have to increase my fee, you know, and I find that people don't don't shy away from that. If it really is important, um, you know, they appreciate the honesty because oh, no. so many so many people are you know want to oversell you on. I'm the best, I'm the fastest, I'm the cheapest. And they want to hear the realist in the room who says, this is going to take a little while. These are the things that actually need to be done. This is how much it generally is going to cost you. There may be some issues that come up. And if they do, it's going to cost you a little more. And this is when I think I can get it done. But I'm not going to lie to you and say that, you know, for certain it will or for certain it won't. Life happens. Life happens. I may get sick, you know, my kid may get sick, you know, it just, it just depends. Totally just depends. And I think you hit the nail on the head about being able to be honest about being a a parent too. Because I Mm -hmm. found that in practicing law, being able to say, I got these four little kids at home like this, you know, I got a plan for their stuff too. Because I mean, emergencies inevitably came up. I mean, I could never get anything down to the wire on a deadline. I'd end up with a kid on the football field who now needs an MRI because he just tore up his knee or whatever. I mean, but it was always something I could. And, but being able to be honest with people about that made all the difference. I think, you know, trying to kind of run in the circles of big law. I don't see how in the world you can maintain your sanity when you're trying to have this image on one side that is literally like straight laced. Everything is law related. Everything's perfect. You know, things are all tidy. And then over here is your family life. And they're really just not even connected. And I really look at it as life work integration. I think the whole idea of work life balance is BS. And I just, I don't think it works. I mean, I think. Agreed. Yeah. I think we got to figure out how do we integrate the two all the time. And that's a constant ebb and flow. I mean, it is. I there's some months I had some kids that needed major stuff from me. So, I mean, I was really plugged into that kid doing something. Maybe something was slipping on the work side. Then there was other times that all the kids were kind of smooth sailing and I was like busting out the work. But I mean, I have to be flexible. Right. 
Running your own practice can be scary, whether you're worried about where the next case will come from, feeling like you're losing control over your growing firm, or frustrated from being out of touch with everyone working under your license, the stress can be overwhelming. We will show you how to turn that fear into a driving force of clarity, focus, stability, and confidence that eliminates the roller coaster of guilt-ridden second-guessing and mistake-making to get you off that hamster wheel for good. Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time is a step-by-step playbook that shows you how to identify what your firm needs and how to proactively get it at every stage of the game so you are prepped and excited for the inevitable growth that will follow. Name the lifestyle that you want and we'll show you how to become a Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. Find out more by going to MaximumLawyer.com forward slash course. You know, recently in in my practice, my business partner and I were we were JB Cruz. I've I've got to I've got to mention, she's just the best business partner ever. She's a great mom. She's a great partner. We're able to be there for each other and for you know uh, for me having another female attorney who's my partner. Okay, and and also she had eight years experience. You know, you know before I even entered the practice with her. It was an amazing way to walk into, you know, she kind of paved the way. She had an established relationship with the community when we started, but I got to watch her parent, her kids before I parented mine. And so we got to practice together before my kids came along. And it was just kind of, it was, it was just a crazy, crazy deal for me because who gets to see somebody kind of preview, you know, the experience you're about to go for. Right. And she, she did such a good job of it. I had a good model to follow, but she and I had, um, contracts in Louisiana for public defense, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure as you recall from your experiences here, you know, in Louisiana, we have public defenders who are private attorneys and also part-time public defenders. We also have, you know, part-time assistant district attorneys who also have private practices. And that's, that's not all done in Mississippi where we also practice. So we have been doing this work for several years in the sixth judicial district, which is extremely impoverished. It's the poorest part of the entire state of Louisiana. And a couple of months ago, we decided that was not serving our practice in the way that it needed to anymore or our lives. You know, it kind of, I was actually um, handling two parishes, my home, home parish of Tinsall and where I live now in Madison. And about the same time all this was occurring, my son was diagnosed with dyslexia and then auditory processing disorder and then partially retained primitive reflexes. Yeah, that's that's a five dollar word there. And I had to make a shift. I mean, okay. I had lots and lots and lots of public defense cases, which, you know, I actually enjoyed doing. It was it was a, a wonderful service. You know, the clients are so appreciative, but I couldn't do that and it, be there on the heavy end of, you know, my son's dyslexia therapy, you know, helping him with school. And I knew it was going to have to be me. You know, my husband is a great partner, but he is a wonderful man, a wonderful father. But in our family unit, I was the person that was best suited to help Wyatt with that in particular. And so, I mean, I had to back up and punt. I mean, and I just said, you know what, something's got to give and this is, this has got to be it. And it's, you know, it was, it was a little scary there. We, we'd been doing this for a long time, you right. know, but it ended up being a great decision. You know, the, the things that I enjoy doing the most are the real estate transactions and the transactional work and appeals. And so I've, I've transitioned and shifted and I've just kind of gotten on the phone and called people and said, hey, I'm doing more of this and none of right. that. Mama's hungry. Send me all your business. And, right. you know, the, the market responds. That's that's the joy of being an attorney in a smaller jurisdiction. Yeah. You know, the, 
that the, the phone the phone will start ringing people go hey I heard you're not doing this anymore would you be willing to or have you considered and it's it's great that sense of community is bigger than family like you said in Louisiana I mean it's people true. in the school find out they're going to support you you know people in the business community find out they're going to support you and we do that for each other yeah it's such a different I mean the community part, the people to people thing is just huge down there. Whereas up here, people don't talk about it quite as much. It's very different. I mean, you know, I definitely started my firm completely referral based. You know, I just got to know, I mean, I didn't know anybody here. I literally created a list of 15 family law attorneys in Seattle and I went and took them all out to lunch. And I was like, Mm -hmm. okay. And that was weird to them. Like they were just like, you know, who is this person? But I mean, I'm like, how else do you meet people? You know, like to me, fried chicken and beer is how you meet everybody. I mean, yes. Like that, I mean, that's how I think you settle cases when people are like, well, we're fighting. I'm like, well, obviously we'll need fried chicken. Go to lunch. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's impossible to not be able to find common ground over fried chicken and beer. And so, but that's particularly not a, in family law cases, yeah. right? I mean, because that you're 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 trying to make this unit continue to work apart, right? Exactly. I mean, exactly. And so, yeah, but it is definitely a different mindset. And I I think all the time. I mean, talking about mindset, like how do you think about like really developing kind of a growth mindset, or where you know when you're? I mean, I think about the story you just gave of having to give up some part of your practice but somehow have the right mindset to know it's going to be okay. You're going to be able to fix it on the flip side. How do you develop that? Like, how have you worked with yourself to help with that? You know, I had really good examples to watch in life to start with. You know, my parents are both entrepreneurs. They're self-employed and they created their own businesses, rural Tinsaw Parish, where there aren't any jobs. So they made their own. You know, my mom's in the real estate business. Prior to that, she was in, in banking and, and worked for an attorney. And she she saw an economic opportunity with real estate and, and took it. And now she and my brother have a very successful real estate business. And it's great. You know, my dad had his own insurance business. My grandfather was a practicing attorney, you know, on the other side of the family, you know, my grandmother ran a convenience store and my grandfather had a lumber business. And so they just, I watched all of them get up every day and treat people right and go to work. And, you know, from, from a very young age, you know, you're able-bodied and you're intelligent. There's nothing preventing you from making a dollar. And I'm not sure if just having that upbringing has ingrained that into my mind or if it's because I'm also a person of faith. I mean, there have been Sundays that I have I have been in a pew at church and written check, written a check, you know, for a donation at church and thought, man, I hope I get a check next week, you know, and I think I better write this one. Surely, surely some of this is going to come back to me. So part of it is probably a little bit I've been indoctrinated by a bunch of entrepreneurs at home. But I also, you know, I, I am a woman of faith. I, I think that God's going to take care of me and, and help me take care of other people. And I, I really believe that. And so anytime I've ever gotten, you know, afraid, there, there will be moments. If you are an entrepreneur or a lawyer or a mother and you haven't been afraid or terrified, then I, I, I question that you're actually one of the three because there yes. have been moments that I have been on my knees and said a prayer there have been moments where I, I just kind of had to shake myself out of it and go, okay, what's one thing I can do right now? You know, I've really? always loved that. Do what you can with what you have where you are, you know, and 
any any time I've been in that that kind of frozen moment, I'll try to call three people, you know, three people and tell them, hey, I'm looking for, you know, this particular kind of work or and I mean, I've cold called people and, and I have lasting relationships with 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 bankers who I called and said, hey, I'm doing loan closings. I'd love to do some of yours. And here's where I'm at. And this is what I could do for you. And they call me the next week, you know, with thousands of dollars worth of business. You know, I think just taking a step, that's always the deal. You know, when you're when you're afraid, when you aren't sure you can do it, when you when you when you're when the coffers get low, call somebody and tell them you're looking for work. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And I love that mindset, though, of thinking about just taking one step right now. What is the one action you can take? There's actually a book. I mean, what you say, you didn't realize it's like an entire book. I think it's called um, Relentless Solution Focus. I actually have it on my desk, written by a guy named Selk, I think is his last name. And it is all about taking one single, like what is one action you could take to move this problem forward. And it literally, it completely restructures your brain, that fear and paralysis. But when you bring it down to that one step, your brain then gets out of that fear thing and you're able to take that step. Then you ask again, you can take another step. And it's amazing the power of being able to control your mind in that regard. And so I love that. I mean, that is such a huge, powerful thing, yet it's so simple, you know, to think it about is. one step. Right. And, and you, know, you think about it our whole lives. We, you know, if we're lucky, right, we, we came up with a support system and then you get to be an adult and you kind of have to make your own. Like oh, yeah. you can't be your own support system. You need community is good, you know, for all of these reasons, because you come up and you have somebody behind you encouraging you just do this. You can do this or you can do that. You know, sometimes sometimes uh, having a community is good, too. You know, I've got I've got great friends uh, and a great business partner. And that has just been um, a really a gift, a gift in my life, because there have been times where she had to be there for her family and I needed to be there for her. There have been times that I have been pregnant and then pregnant again. And she was like, Lord, am I going to get, how am I going to get through another maternity leave? Or my favorite is I can't eat with you like I did the first time. <laughs> what a good friend though that ate with you. Oh, the was she? oh she and my husband both were like, I'm so excited. What are we going to eat? You know, I mean, like they, they were, <laughs> it was so funny. Uh, oh, That's yeah. hilarious. It, it's <laughs> it's oh wonderful. It's it, our our husbands are friend friends too. They're very close, and so I can remember I was, you know, I I, I just was so afraid. I, I think of losing a little bit of my identity when I became a mom. I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have identified it as that at the time. I felt like I wasn't going to be putting enough into the practice. And gosh, I was an idiot. I was so wrong. I was on my laptop. Somebody had emailed me something, and I emailed them like, I'm sorry. I'm in labor right now. Uh, my partner is going to be handling this. She CC'd on this email. If you don't mind, okay, so I sent this email and I'm thinking, yeah, this is a totally sane thing. Like this is early on. My water's not broken yet. I have my laptop in my lap, right? My husband comes over and smacks the laptop down and takes it away from me. He says, Jamie has just text messaged me. You're off. You're off work. You're done. The laptop is going away. We're having a baby today. And I'm like, 
oh yeah, we are, we're having a baby today. And so I think maybe deep down, I was afraid that I, I wouldn't be giving enough in any one spot, but you know, being a mother has made me a way better attorney. Oh, um, yeah. oh yes. Way better. I mean, what did I do with my time before? I do not know. I do not know, but there are days at 3.30 that I I may have two children in this office in the conference room. And um, the other day, uh, my son was was doing some of his homework, and I hear my daughter speaking to somebody. Um, both of my legal assistants were out. One would think was out for the day. Another was running an errand. And I hear my daughter say, she's on the telephone right now. Would you like a bottle of water while you wait? And I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on here? So I peeked my head out and I just missed the door opening. And sure enough, it's one of my clients and she is sitting here directing him to have a seat. Would you like a bottle of water? And she's on her way to come get me and be like, you have a client here. (laughs) And so I'm thinking, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's not so crazy that I've got these kids up in here and I'm trying to do some work. They're getting their homework done. She's learning how to run an office. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's doing a great job. She's offering beverages, you know. Maybe I mean, I'll start dictating to her here. Exactly. Her type a letter. I mean, my it's son can, amazing. My son can run the scanner, you know. I mean, it's it's been um I I think I think they've they've given me a, a an empathy and patience Absolutely. and maybe a better understanding of the humans that come in to see me and need my help. You know, I think exactly. I just think, I mean, I'm a huge fan of putting kids to work. I mean, as you can imagine, yes. with our brood, like, I mean, I had kids who did my shredding. I had a son in college. We joked he wanted beer money. So he'd blog for beers. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, put them to you work. Know, like, I was like, absolutely. I'm like, I'm happy to help you, but I'm not just doling out money. I was like, you people need day jobs, you know? You gotta, and you gotta so, earn it. Exactly. I grew up like that too. And, and it's still that way when I go home. I mean, I can remember being a newly minted associate attorney in downtown Jackson, Mississippi, coming home for the weekend in the summer, thinking I'm going to go have a big time on, on Lake Bruin. And I pull up to my family's marina and my mom literally hands me a bag of ice and says, I need you to go get in the bar and make daiquiris. Exactly. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. That's what I said. Yes, ma'am. And so all these people start showing up that I'm, I usually see in court, you know, in Jackson and they're there in their big, beautiful camps on the weekend. They're like, Pamela, what's going on? I didn't know you worked here on, 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 on the weekends. And I said, Hey, when mama, when mama says get to work, you better get to work. <laughs> and that's actually how I met my business partner. Want to talk about make that come full circle. I met her because I made her, I think it was a, a maybe a strawberry mango or a peach daiquiri. I can't remember. So I've made her so many since then. I couldn't tell you what it was, but that's how I ended up meeting my business partner. That she had gone out on her own. Yes. And her sister-in-law actually introduced us and I made her a drink and then I went and visited with them on the boat. And I said, I'm going to refer you all the family law clients that call me because I don't do those cases. And she said, great, gave me her contact info. And I started making referrals. And we had this case that had a family family law element and had a criminal element. I took one part and she took the other. And we just knew, it was like, wow. You know, we worked so well together. And within a year, we were, we were buying real estate and, you know, launching the firm. So 
That's amazing. I love that. I love that a firm can start over a daiquiri. Of course right. it can. I mean, of course it can. Absolutely. Of course it can. <laughs> My husband will joke forever when he moved to Louisiana. He was in the Coast Guard, so you know, traveled all over, lived all kinds of different places, had grown up in Louisiana part of the time, but then came back as an adult. And he was like, I had no idea you could get drive-through daiquiris everywhere in the city of New Orleans. And I, I didn't know that was a weird thing, you know, until I right. went to college. And I was like, well, y'all don't have drive-through daiquiris here in Memphis. And people were like, how do you have a drive-through daiquiri <laughs> that you can't drink and drive? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I didn't think about that part. But I'm like, it right? is a thing in New Orleans where, I mean, that's you could- right. We would get those oh, we crawdad daiquiris, you know, that, I mean, I feel like every Saints game, we'd end up with a gallon of daiquiris. We have um, one right here in Delta, Louisiana, right next to Tallulah. So it's literally between our two offices, you know, Providence, if you ask me, right there between the two. You can pull in, you can pull in and get you a daiquiri for sure. There he is. Yeah, it is definitely a unique part of Louisiana. And that is not a thing in other places. I've been looking for drive-through daiquiris for my whole life, everywhere I go. And it's just not a thing. (laughs) That's what, and really it's what, it's in a lot of ways, what connects a lot of the the, the folks on the Mississippi side of the river coming across over here. They're coming over here to get their lottery tickets their daiquiris friends of mine from jackson drive over and they're they're picking up cases of wine all at this little gas station in delta louisiana and in a little you know daiquiri drive-through place next door so they usually call me when they're coming through and like would you like to get together you know so it's it's a lot of fun here culturally this is a cool place to be it really is absolutely it's awesome it's awesome and you can't beat the food anywhere i mean there's no place in our country that has better food than louisiana and I agree um, with that. I agree with that. I mean, to me, there's just no question. And so, yeah, I'm a firm, firm fan of Louisiana's culture, food, all kinds of things. I just think now, interestingly, yesterday, you know, y'all played the Seahawks and the Saints beat us. And so, I saw that. Was, yeah, <laughs> it was fun. That was a fun game. But um, and I've always been a huge Saints fan. I was less of a Saints fan once Drew Brees left. You know, I've definitely been a big fan yeah but, he's um, he he's just a legend you know oh. he and he and of course joe joe burrow right i mean oh. we were, uh, right i mean was we, that just the greatest season of lsu football of all time i mean it was a great time to be a tiger for oh, sure it was awesome i have a good friend who's an attorney and she's an alabama fan i just absolutely harassed her relentlessly the entire <laughs> i bet you like, did i could not resist she's been as sweet and gracious as possible but i just could not resist the whole year <laughs> it's just like i'm like did you see that game did you see that play bama hate week as they refer to it when you send all the alabama lsu memes yes i participate in that every year be sure to check my facebook you can find nice stuff to forward to your friend at alabama though <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That is so awesome. Oh, oh my gosh. Well, Pamela, if people need to get in touch with you, where should they get in touch with you? 
the easiest way to get in touch with me is by email and it's Pamela at cruisegrady.com. Um, we have offices in Louisiana and Mississippi and we're trying to grow into being a regional all-female firm where we do land closings, divorces, custody work, and uh, my favorite business organizations. We try to focus on helping take care of their business, their family, and their property, and ultimately their legacy. That's awesome. I love that. I love the thought of y'all growing and becoming a regional all-female firm. That's amazing. And that just makes me super happy for you all. Well, we will Thank definitely you. put your contact information in the notes to make sure people can reach out. And I really cannot thank you enough for joining me today. I'm just- Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. And I can't wait. I'm going to have to call you the next time I'm in Louisiana, which I think is in November. We are going down yeah. for a week. And yes, so, do um, that. I will get together. Yeah, absolutely. I'll bring I'll bring Jamie, and we can we can figure out what daiquiri I made her, and make make <laughs> make a make three of them. <laughs> I love that. Well, I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day, and it was wonderful talking to you. And we will be in touch. Thanks a bunch. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.